If you're listening to this, then you've probably struggled or are probably struggling right now with one of the most difficult decisions that we have to make as people, and that is the one of choosing a career. This is one of the most important decisions that we get to make as people, especially us as young people, because at this point, we have to make the right decision, or we feel we have to make the right decision, because any decision that we make right now will have a long-lasting impact on our lives in the future. So how do we make that decision? How do we choose the right career? The career which will fulfill us and make us happy and enjoy life. The career which will enable us to provide for our families. Not only that, but most importantly, the career which will be in line with God's will. In the last episode, we spoke about purpose and how we are supposed to live according to our purpose. So how do we align our career to our purpose? And how do we make sure that we listen to God when he calls us to a certain career? And how do we know that this is the right career for me? And what happens when you've already chosen a career path, but that career is the wrong one? What do you do in that instance? And what is the role of money when it comes to choosing the right career? Well, in this episode, we'll be discussing that and so much more with our very special guest, Pastor Ntlan Tlapterezi. Mfudizi had a lot of great insights to share, which have helped change my outlook on things, and I believe it will help change yours too. So, better make sure that you tune in and dial it in, because Youth 412 is on the line. Welcome to the Youth 412 podcast where we engage in conversations which enrich, inspire and empower us to be an example to other young believers in faith, love and purity. My name is Ndowo Sana and I am your host of the Youth 412 podcast and today I am not by myself. I am with a very special guest. He is the Communications Director and Youth Ministries Director of the TOC, thank you very much for joining us for today's conversation here on the Youth 412 podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much, uh, Lindo, and I'm quite excited to be here, and uh, thank you very much for having me. Oh yes, thank you very much. Um, so today we are talking about careers and callings, and I just want to, you know, talk to you, Mfundisi. First of all, about your own career journey. You know, I was, you know, a couple of months ago, I looked you up, you know, on YouTube to just see a few of your sermons. And then I came across a video of you actually doing poetry. I was like, wow, Mfundis was actually a poet. And he was, and you, you were a very good poet because when I, when I was looking at the, the video, you know, you're telling and saying, Guti, you had big dreams in terms yeah. of your poetry. Not only yeah. that, you actually won the competition um, which they had there. And so I just want to know from you, Mfundesuti, what happened there? You know, <laughs> did you, what led you into actually becoming a pastor from yeah. being a poet? And, you know, did you always know you were going to be a pastor? Yeah, jeez, man, I'm, I'm actually laughing. <laughs> I'm actually <laughs> laughing, and I, I, I always laugh when someone asks me this question because the journey, the journey was never an easy one. You know, hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm someone who's very passionate about the arts. I'm into theater. I love drama. I love poetry. I love music. I love African art. 
But funny enough, um, in terms of corporate, before going into the ministry, I worked within communications, branding and marketing for like five full years. So post-metric, um, you know, God was faithful enough. I was able to be headhunted by a marketing company, you know, in Joburg, where I was uh, basically given uh, account. I was given an account to basically be a junior account manager. And I've always known, you know, to that look, man, God has called me. But at the same time, I'll be honest, I always fought the call. I just, I've always rejected the call. You know what I mean? Um, I've always, I, I always fought it off, man. And, and not necessarily because I don't like God, but because I wanted something else. I wanted some, and that's why after matric, I did not go to Helderberg or Salusa. After matric, I went to work. I bought a car. Um, I had a flat, you know, um, and, and God spoke to me on the 30th of October, 2009, that, amen, leave everything. I literally heard the voice of God um, and I wasn't hallucinating. I heard the voice of God, you know, and that's when I sold everything and I went into the ministry. Wow, that's a, that's a beautiful story. And I'm sure many of us did not know that at all. And it just shows how, you know, the, the journey, the, the career journey you know is not a very straightforward one and you know it's very interesting to see that you went into communications before you actually came into ministry but you having went you know through that has actually helped you now as a pastor because you are the communications director of the toc so do you think nothing you ever did you know perhaps was a mistake um everything which you did at that particular point god was actually building you for your position right now or for you know your your duties uh which you perform right now most definitely man most definitely you know i mean i don't want to lie i want to be very honest um you know like you rightfully said there's no time or year that's wasted um whenever we're doing something at that moment it seems as if it's a waste of time but because god has this panoramic view where he's able to see the past from the present um, he allows you to go through certain things because he knows they'll be beneficial to you in the future. You know, um, a lot of the knowledge that I'm currently using now to run church comms is literally knowledge that I had gained between 2006 and, uh, and 2010. You know, um, God has been quite faithful. So I, I wouldn't say there's a year that's been wasted, um, but I would maybe add that God did allow me to go through certain phases and I want to use that word, you know, because a phase is something that's temporal. It's not permanent. Um, God allowed certain phases into my life. And those are the phases that are basically helping me right now in my ministry in terms of healing and reaching out to certain people. At the moment when I went through them, it just seemed like I was wasting time. It looked like I was being rebellious, but I didn't know that God was actually building and setting me up for something bigger. Mm, mm, mm. That's very powerful. Uh, thank you very much for sharing your story with us, Mfundis. And I, I just want us to, to, to look at this, this powerful aspect um, of actually choosing, you know, the, the right career path um, as young people. Because I think it's something we, we struggle a lot with, you know, as young people, including myself. And perhaps when you look at our, our theme for the season is how to know God's will for your life. And every aspect of our lives should be in line with with God's will, including this one of choosing a career, you know, including the the career path uh, that we we, we choose. So, when I'm funny, why do you think it is important for us to make God a part of our decision-making process when we are actually choosing our career paths? And that's a very important question, Lindo, for two reasons, and I'll start with number one, Um, because we're not just carnal beings, okay? 
we have got a spiritual aspect that guides each and every single decision that we take. If a decision for your future is based purely on rationale, my man, you're bound to make mistakes, okay? Um, while logic, of course, does play a role, the truth is prayer through revelation does allow God to reveal his will for you. You know what I mean? I know so many stories of people who went into a, a specific discipline um, at university, you know, um, and years after they finished that discipline, they actually confessed that, look, my heart was never in this. I actually did this for the wrong reasons. I did this because my family thought if I studied under this discipline, I'd be a success. My family thought that uh, chances of me getting employed in the corporate sector, you know, would increase if I went and studied under this discipline. But personally, I'm not satisfied, you know. Um, there are so many people also um, who take, and we, we, if, I could, if I could actually flip the coin, you then find people who pray, but don't use logic or rationale, which is equally dangerous, you know what I mean? And it's important that when you are looking at what career you want to go through, you need to marry logic with prayer. Um, so don't just pray and don't uh, and, and you basically cease to use your mind. I mean, you're going to end up in a mess. But at the same time, don't depend too much on logic such that you block out any form of revelation that God wants um, for you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a, quite a controversial um, example. You could have someone who studied, for example, for years to be a doctor. And I know a couple of them who studied for years to be a doctor, who later realized that, you know, their heart is actually in ministry. You know, um, the person is qualified, you know, um, but later they realize, you know, what, my passion is actually in ministry. Um, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And I, and I think we need to have the conversation, you know, that there's nothing wrong with you taking a decision to change a discipline. If you had studied actuarial science, but you actually discover that your passion is an art, that transition from actuarial science to art is something that you feel free to do. Don't, don't, don't be afraid to not do it you know um because if you don't you will not have contentment and so many young people right now are suffering from clinical depression because they're in disciplines that they just have no passion and uh the, the, no passion for mm -hmm. yo for this I, I i like you know the last part you mentioned especially about staying or being you need to be able to change the discipline that you've chosen if you feel it's not the right one for you but my question is perhaps someone right now feels like okay, they are in that space, you know, they, they are in a wrong career. They've chosen the wrong career because everyone is telling me or telling them to, to, to do this career, to follow this career path, their family, their friends, uh, you know, everyone. And they want to change, but it's so hard for them, you know, because they might feel that they're going to get rejected and things like that. So what do you do in that instance whereby everyone is against the career choice that you feel is the right one for you or you feel that God has perhaps called you towards? So, and geez, this is a very beautiful question. We also need to be honest because you, you, you could actually discover that we're speaking to people who are still under the guardianship of their parents. You know what I mean? Um, there could yeah. be someone who's listening to this who's 19 years old, for example. Um, a 19-year-old cannot go against the wishes of a father particularly if it's the father who's responsible for the school fees at university XYZ where that person could be studying. And we, we, we do need to consider that, you know? Um, so the answer can be two-pronged. The answer 
can actually look at those who are currently still under the stewardship of their parents or living with their parents. And these would be young people under the age of whatever age, for example, who are still financially dependent on their parents. If they were to feel that, look, the discipline, you know, the discipline I'm studying, this is not something that I like. I actually don't like this. I prefer X, Y, and Z. The first advice I would give that person is to call a family meeting uh, and request to have a conversation with the parents, you know, to simply say, look, this is what I'm studying. However, I feel called towards X, Y, and Z. I'm currently in the humanities, but I'd like to study something under the sciences, you know. Um, the parents, it's incumbent upon the parents to listen to their child. Remember that there's no parent who wants a child that's not happy. Um, and every time they think of school, um, they get depressed. So point number one, if you're sitting there, you're studying and you feel that, look, you, you're just not happy with what you're studying. The very first thing I would advise, call your parents or your guardian or whoever's financially responsible for your school fees um, and respectfully say, look, I appreciate the fact that I'm currently at university, one, two, three, I'm studying this, but I'm not happy. And state valid reasons why you're not happy, you know. If you're going to call someone who has already spent upwards of 100000 in university fees and you tell them that you want to change your discipline because it just does not feel like it. The, I mean, you know, with due respect, you know, the reason is not valid enough. I've just spent over 100000 So give valid reasons, give substantial reasons um, such that that same person can still help finance whatever discipline you want to study. The second part, Lindo, is someone who's not under the um, financial uh, dependence of their parents. So this could be someone who's a young adult or even an adult who's working. Um, and in that, uh, you know, sort of uh, scenario, it doesn't get easier, by the way, because um, nothing hurts like realizing that you've just spent 80% of your hard, uh, you know, and money on something that uh, you actually don't want to use. So the very first thing that you want to do is to be honest with yourself. Um, and analyze how much it will cost in rents and cents to make the transition. Be very careful if you are someone who's working of taking a very haphazard financial decision based on your studies that's going to implicate you negatively. It could be wise to actually finish whatever you studied, okay, for financial reasons. And by the time you're done, then look for sponsorship to do something else, as opposed to sort of dropping it like a hot potato um, for you to go start something else from scratch. So from my side, I think those would be the two answers, man. Um, be very careful about the decision. Don't be rushed. Don't be haphazard. But most importantly, don't be led by emotions. I think it's it's very important, especially for those who are still under the guardianship of their parents, to, to actually give substantive uh, reasons why they want to change, as you said, in Fundis. Because sometimes people, you know, it, it's because of fear perhaps that they want to change or they you know they 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 they're not committed to anything and, and sometimes there's nothing which is substantive which uh leads them to actually making that career change so i think it's very important that they need to look at that aspect now we 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 do make mistakes but as we are talking you know that god needs to be the one who actually you know informs your decision uh, so how do we actually you know stop ourselves from actually letting God be the one who accompanies us instead of letting him lead us in terms of our decision-making process when we are actually making those career decisions. Because it's different when God is walking 
beside you and when God is actually walking in front of you and showing you the way and I think many of us want God besides us and we actually tell him where we want to go instead of actually letting him be the one who leads us where he wants us to go so how do we stop us from making stop ourselves from actually making that terrible mistake you know yeah man you know we, we, we need to be very honest because a lot of us do this and not just in terms of uh, career choices we do this even in the corporate sector we do this even in our relationships you know um, a lot of us pray for God to lead um, but when he actually starts doing that we're not comfortable with the God who leads because he leads us to where we may not want to be um, so if we are honest with ourselves a lot of us are comfortable with the God who's beside like you just said, not who's in front, you know? I want to know that he's holding my hand in terms of taking me to where I want to go. And that's why we do this. We are so guilty of this. Young people and adults are like, we are so guilty of this. So I would mention today things that personally sort of worked for me, you know? Um, the very first one is every single decision um, for educational progression, for work, or any any basically life-changing or life-altering uh, experience the very first thing that i do is i don't take any decision if i've not prayed and fasted you know i i usually pray and i i fast and i have devotional life um to seek the face of god on this decision that's the first step immediately after prayer and fasting i usually go into a consultative process where i identify relevant people in whatever thing i want to study uh, or, or or work related issue that i want to do um for advice for practical advice a lot of times in my life, after praying for God to lead me and show me the way um, for a specific choice, immediately after that, I would go and I, and I would seek advice or counsel from thought leaders within that uh, industry. You know, um, I did the same thing with ministry, for example. I went to an elderly person who was well over their 60s. I said, look, Baba, this is what I'm currently going through. I personally would like this and this. I've prayed about it. What are your thoughts? What advice would you give me? Um, so the very first thing is pray. Um, if you feel that you would like to actually fast, I would encourage, do it, you know. Um, if you feel that you want to read your Bible, do it. Immediately after that, go into an extensive consultation, uh, what's this uh, process, where you consult with people um, who are relevant to whatever industry or, 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 or sector that you want to go into. Then the very last one is, the, is you know, Lindo, the most difficult one, man, and it's um, take a decision. Take a decision. People are not going to decide for you. Um, and on this, I just want to—I'm I'm just going to add a, some parentheses and say, understand that whatever decision you've taken, you need to bear the consequences. So if you take the decision and it does not work, you are responsible for that. You can't sort of go blame someone on advice and say, "No, oh, but you told me it would work out," you know. So understand that decision making is also about accountability. Um, and those are the three steps that I would say in terms of differentiating a God who walks in front of us. Or God who's walking beside us, God forbid he's walking behind us. Thank you. Mm, mm, mm. Powerful, powerful Mfundesi. Pray about it, consult with other people who have experience, and then take the decision. And be accountable for the decision you've actually taken. Don't blame anybody else. Because I think that's what we do, you know. We And, and I think it's, it's very funny that as, as young people, we, we do this a lot, that whenever we take a decision, we allow other people to dictate to us so that we are not 
held accountable when that decision actually fails you know i think it's because of our own fears that that happens and i, I have i have been guilty of that because whenever things are not going well then I, i'm like you guys are the ones who told me to do this now i'm here because of you instead of actually being the one who actually makes the decision and actually be accountable for that particular decision and i, I like how you, you you said that sometimes you'll face consequences for the decisions which you have faced uh which you have made you know looking at the bible they, there's a man you know uh whose name is jonah and what what happens or what's funny with jonah is that god calls him to go to nineveh to go and do some work in nineveh but instead he goes the opposite direction and goes to tashish and we know what happened uh with jonah because of that so in our lives what is the consequence of actually going to Tashish instead of Nineveh, going to the, the place opposite uh, the direction where God has called us uh, to go? So one of the, not even one of, but perhaps the, the major consequence that comes from turning your back on Nineveh um, is the fact that you run the risk of not developing into what you could have become. And a lot of us don't actually see calls like that. A lot of us, when we, when we look at spiritual calls, it's like, oh, man, I need to do this. Oh, man. We never flip the coin and actually see the call as a process of development. Something happens to Jonah when he goes to Nineveh. He becomes a better person. But a lot of the times when we talk of calls, we always divorce ourselves and think that uh, it, is, it is meant for others. You know, I'm fine. Well, I want to squash that. And I want to say, as a young person, when God has called you into something, Tashish is bound to look far more adorable, is bound to look far more lit, far nicer. But it's a trap. Don't do it. It's a trap. Your development is not in Tashish. Your development is in Nineveh. If you are to grow as a young Christian in your walk with God, it's important that you realize the power given to you is only activated if you live within your call. If you don't do that, my man, you are meandering in the dark and it's not going to be nice. Yo, 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 yo. I don't even know what to say for this. That was very powerful. <laughs> Nineveh is the place where God develops us, that God, you know, works on our character and makes us better. God has in us or has created within us um, greatness, has instilled within us greatness. And the reason why many of us don't fulfill our potential is because we are at the wrong place. We are at Tashish. We are in Tashish instead of being at Nineveh. So I, I really like that, that point, uh, Mfundis. You know, you, you said something about that you heard um, God, you know, calling you. And perhaps there's someone else here who's, who's saying that, like, listen, guys, yeah. like, I, I can't hear God. You know, yeah. I've, I've been trying to listen. I've been trying to see, you know, where God is leading me to. But I don't know. And hence, I don't know which career to, to choose. Uh, and so perhaps how do we hear God when he is calling us? Um, how do we see that this is what God is calling us to? This is where God is calling us to. How, how do we determine that? The voice of God is many things. The one thing it is not is unsure. And I'm going to repeat that again. The voice of God is many things. The voice of God can be scary. The voice of God can be troublesome. The voice of God can be first. The voice of God is many things. The one thing the voice of God is not and will never be is unsure. 
And I gave this answer a couple of years back when a friend of mine asked me, hey man, you know, how in the world are you certain that God called you? And I said to him, if you woke up and told church members that you heard the voice of God, um, someone who's very sort of playful or who has a sensitive sense of humor like myself would probably laugh and say, well, does he speak in soprano, bass, or tenor, you know? Um, because when, when we think voice of God, we think EP, you know? Um, and um, the voice of God, I want to submit, Lindo, the voice of God does not have a voice. Yeah, the voice of God does not have a pitch. The voice of God is realization. The voice of God is you realizing something such that you are aware that it is only through revelation that what you've just gone through right now has been revealed to you. And that for me is the voice of God. When, when I heard uh, inverted commas, God tell me to go into ministry, I did not hear a physical voice from heaven, nor was there a light shining from the sky through the clouds directly to where I was. But I felt a sense of surety. I felt a sense of confidence. I felt a sense of awareness that was just bigger than me. It was, it was like an out-of-body experience. It was the weirdest. I will never forget the 30th of October, 2009. It was weird, but I, I just knew at that moment that God is speaking. So the first thing I want to say, which is a shock, is the fact that God's voice is personal. How he speaks to me might be quite different to how he speaks to you, vice versa. I could never use my experience as a blanket experience of how God speaks to other people. And that is why it's important for us to be spiritually receptive to the voice of God. You know what I mean? Because at that, you never know at what moment the Holy Spirit might prod you and tell you to do something that you have just uh, been struggling with, you know? But if you're not receptive to the Holy Spirit, by the time the Holy Spirit speaks, you know, you're not here. You're not going to hear him because you know he won't do it. It's easy. I like the last parts which you mentioned that you need to, you know, be receptive to the Holy Spirit. So, and and, and yeah. perhaps I just want to ask this. You know that. God does call us indeed, and as, as you said, and I definitely agree with all of that. And perhaps, you know, as, as you are concluding, Uti, sometimes we do things which prevent us from actually hearing the voice of God when he calls us. So perhaps how do we, you know, remove ikonokone, you know, but yeah, you know, how do we remove those things? <laughs> Yeah, how, how do you remove these things which prevent us from actually hearing God when he, yeah. when, he, when he speaks to us? Yeah, and I would say, I would say by deliberately and intentionally making time to commune with God. We live in a very fast-paced world. There's no time for prayer, okay? From the moment that you wake up, there's something that you need to do. You've got a class at nine. You've got a meeting at half past 10. You've got to go this and this, this and that. Our diaries are so packed with activities that we do not have time, even if it's a minute, to open a Bible and to read it and spend time in devotional prayer. And I'm saying, making time for God needs to be an intentional, deliberate decision, meaning you actually say, I am not going to watch um, that second episode 
um, you know, of money heist because I want to use that time to actually pray. That's you deliberately setting aside a time to spend with God, okay? Um, we need to be careful of something here, Lindo, that in, in, in 2021, there are so many distractions that if we do not deliberately and intentionally make time for prayer, it will not happen. I can guarantee it's not going to happen. If you don't deliberately say, you know what, I'm canceling one, two, three, so that I can actually spend time on my devotional life, it's not going to happen. And another thing, no one is, no is going to do it for you. You know, so, I mean, that, that's my answer, my man. Uh, be intentional, be deliberate about actually spending time with God, because that way it becomes easy to remove distractions that prevent you from hearing the voice of God when he does speak to you. Mm, mm, mm. Be intentional and deliberate about talking to God because we can't expect God to talk to us if we don't talk to him. We need to already create that communication between us and God so that he will be able you know, to relay um, whatever he wants to relay to us and so that we'll know when he actually is calling us or when he's actually speaking to us. Because I think if we don't know uh, if you don't talk to God, then we will never know, we'll be able to recognize his voice when he actually talks. So I, I really love that, um, Fundis. Now, for someone who's perhaps studying right now in university and, and all that, um, and, and they've chosen a career path, and they're listening to this, perhaps how do they know, or maybe someone who's already, you know, in a career, um, how do you know that this is the career which God has called me to? So that's, a, I mean, I'm going to give you an answer, um, you know, and it might sound weird or funny, but it, it's actually the truth, you know, um, that number one, we never know from the onset if we've actually taken the right choice in terms of careers, you know, um, we never really know uh, because it's a process. Um, and so many of us, because we are human beings, we wait for incentives that then prove that indeed, I mean, I'm doing what God wants me to do. And I'm just going to put some sand in the engine and complicate this question. Someone who's a doctor who went to study medicine at Nelson Mandela, uh, metropolitan, um, uh, with an idea that they will have a private practice in Sanya. Lo and behold, the poor wretch is then sent to a war zone in Congo, where he's surrounded by disease, severely underpaid, and his life is constantly being threatened by war. If you were to ask that person, do you believe this is where God wants you? Flat out, that person would say no. Um, flat out, they tell you, no, I'm not happy. Because we are people who judge happiness and contentment based on external indicators. And sometimes when those external indicators are not positive, are not comfortable, are not conducive, are not nice, and are not monetary, we then flip the script and say, nah, man, I messed up. This is not what I wanted to do. So I'm effectively saying, let's be very careful of indicators. The question that says, how do I know I'm in something that God wants me to do is a question that requires you to be honest about your contribution in society. You know what I mean? If I, I want to share something with you, Linda. If you want to know what God wants you to do, the simple answer isn't this. Whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's playing soccer, IT, or whatever, 
um, whatever it is that you're doing, if it does not have a positive impact um, on the community and other people, um, then I can tell you right now, you're not doing what God wants you to do. Um, because God wants you to impact people's lives positively. And when you're not impacting people's lives positively, you're not doing that which God wants you to do. So that's what I would say. Powerful, 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 powerful impact. Impact is, you know, the indicator. And I, I love that, Nfundis. Ugoti, we need to see how much impact what whatever it is that we're doing, you know, brings to society as a whole. Because God wants us to let our light shine to all the world. He does not want us to, to just exist. We need to have impact within the spaces that we are in. The, our careers need to bring that. And that's maybe where we'll know that God, that's, this is where God has called us to. Now, I want to know, Gemfunde, Sugoti, um, sometimes, you know, some careers have more money than other careers and some don't have much money. And we as Christians, really, we're not supposed to love money, you know, because that is the root of all evil. But we need money, you know, we need money to survive, to provide, you know, all those things. So should money be a factor or like something we consider whenever we we take this decision this career path decision so and 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 i think you used a very very important indicator here which which is the issue of money let let, let me start lindo by saying this that um our our understanding of money is usually it's dual it's twofold usually it has to do with vaulting ambition or desires that are just selfish. Number two, it has to do with money as a basic necessity that's required for us to do certain things, okay? Now, the motivation for whatever it is that you're studying, funny enough, and I know this sounds like a contradiction, should not be money. And I don't care who says what, and I'll tell you why, okay? I'll tell you why. If you are motivated to study a specific discipline because of how much money that discipline will give you at the end of the month, you will not be faithful to the calling that you have. I want to make an example here. It's quite a, it's a sensitive one, but I'll make it. So in my line of work, I'm a pastor. If I became a pastor, um, purely for me to have a salary, if you call me at night and you're like, I'm not doing well, I'm really I'm not feeling well. Please come uh, lay your hands on me and pray. I'm not doing well in front of The first thing that I'm about to say, hey, look, man, it's late. Um, yeah, don't call me. If you need me, call me during the day, okay? Because my heart is not connected to this. I, I came into this thing for the sake of my wallet. You could take the example I've given you and distribute it to all other disciplines. Money should not be the primary. Let me, let, let me put it that way. Money should not be the primary incentive or motivation for whatever discipline you want to do. Let it be a third and a fourth or a fifth, but it should never be the first. The first one should be passion um, because without passion, you just basically want to mess up whatever it is that you're doing. The second one um, should be a positive impact in society. So whatever it is that you do, if you're passionate about it and it's going to positively impact society, you are already on the right track. Um, that 
But when you use money as the primary indicator, hey, my man, you're just going to rob a lot of people of positive contribution. Sure. And I think that, that that's so true, you know, and I've read many books which do say that money is not a strong enough motivator, you know, to, to keep you going even yeah. when, when you face trouble, troubling times and you face difficulties. And I like that you looked at passion as something which is a contributing factor to the career paths that we need to go and i think many people do struggle with finding their passions and all that it's very hard and perhaps maybe you can just tell us maybe how do we determine or how do we find what we are passionate about and maybe it's it's not a, a very good question because i think you just know if this is what you're passionate about but like if if it's something which is perhaps not something which seems like a viable career. Perhaps I can say that I'm passionate about podcasting, but there's no, you know, viable career there. What what do you do in, in, in those instances? And how much should talent actually go into the decision-making process? How much should it be a part of the decision-making process? It's actually, Lindo, quite a brilliant question. Um, very, very brilliant question. How, how I know that I'm passionate about something, number one, is how I feel every time I'm engaged in it. So one, it should bring joy, not happiness. And there's a difference between these two. Happiness is external. Joy comes from within. I'm passionate about something if it gives me joy. Number two, I know that I'm passionate about something when people confirm it, those who are around me. If you are someone who wants to be a podcaster, if you are someone who wants to be a presenter, if you are someone who wants to be a soccer player, if you are someone who wants to be an artist, most of the time, not at a half times out of 10, people will confirm the passion that you have by actually telling you that, you know what, you actually, um, you know, you actually uh, are doing quite well in this thing. You know, please pursue it. Um, they will affirm it. People will affirm it most of the time. Uh, people do affirm no matter how jealous they can be, but society does affirm where there's talent and there's passion. You will get both positive and negative feedback. Negative feedback does not mean that what you're doing is nonsense. It could actually, depending on how you look at it, be a way to strengthen what you are passionate about. You know what I mean? Um, so the very first thing is, how do I know if I'm passionate about something? Number one, it should give me joy when I'm engaged in it. Number two, it must be affirmed by those who are next to me or those who are surrounding me. Um, and number three, um, you, you, you will know. And you will know because every time that you do it, you feel fulfilled. Yes, that's the word I was looking for. It's fulfillment. So the first one is passion, um, passion and joy. Uh, the second one is affirmation from society. The very last one is fulfillment, personal fulfillment. Joy, fulfillment, and affirmation from everyone. Now, that is very beautiful. And, you know, I think it will give or shed light to the many questions that people have had, you know, or have right now, including myself, you know, because I've also had many struggles with my career, you know, choices and everything like that. I think you've shared so much insights and value to our listeners today. And I just want to thank you for, for, for doing that and for joining us for today's episode. Now, I just want to ask you, you know, if there's anything else that perhaps you, you'd like to share, you know, for, for young people, because this isn't 
you know, an easy thing. It's a very complicated thing. Let me just let you take the stage and say whatever, you know, last words you, you, you'd like to share with our audience at home so that they may take away something else, you know, uh, after this wonderful interview that we, we've had. Lindo, you know, my man, uh, the, the first thing I'd say, um, if you're listening to this and you're under the age of 35, and I'm using 35 because in SA, that's the constitutional cutoff, you know, for being, for being considered a young person. Um, on 36, uh, they consider you an ancestor. But anyway, if you're listening to this, the first thing I'd say is be patient with yourself. A lot of young people are not patient. A lot of them are not patient. We live in this instant filtered Instagram microwaved reality where whatever it is that you want, you need to get right now. A lot of the career choices or a lot of the gifts and the talents that you have are formulated over time. It does not happen overnight. It does not happen overnight. I struggled for years with public speaking, even though I struggled for years. There were certain things I had to do to augment my struggle so that it does not turn into a struggle, but it turns into a strength. Um, it does not happen by osmosis. And a lot of young people are not patient. Patience allows you to know what you want, but also understand the process and the price you need to pay to get it. And a lot of young people don't, don't think of it this way, okay? You're sitting somewhere, you're 24 years old, your gift is to be on television. And you think that all it's going to take you know, it's just going to be two weeks. And in the next two weeks, SABC is going to call you and you're going to have a show. That's not how it works, my man. There's trial and error, failure, tears. There's so much that you need to do to fulfill that dream. None of it will happen if you do not have patience. So the first thing that I want to say to young people is, yeah, man, guys, but for you too, please be patient with yourselves. The very last thing is develop yourself. Time, time is the weirdest thing ever, man. When you lose it, you just can't get it back. You know what I mean? Don't waste your 20s with the wrong company. Don't waste your 20s in drug and alcohol abuse. Those things are going to mess you up. Don't, don't mess your life. Um, sleeping around, that stuff is going to mess you up. It's going to kill you, okay? Um, develop yourself. That's the advice. Read. Read, read, read. I don't care how broke you are. Download PDF files from the internet. Inve you're an investment. Start seeing yourself as stock. You're an asset. The more you invest in yourself is the more value that you have. Um, check your associations, check what books you're reading, check how you're spending your time. And really, man, from the bottom of my heart, that's just the, that's the only advice that I have um, at this moment. Wow, I have absolutely no words after all that Mfundisi has shared with us on today's episode. Be patient, don't waste your time, and check your associations, develop yourself. You are your biggest asset. And yeah, so much more that we have learned on today's episode. And it is my prayer that you implement and apply all that we have shared on today's episode of the Youth 412 podcast. Thank you very much to Umfundisi for joining us. And yeah, guys, thank you very much for listening and tuning in on this podcast for today's episode of the Youth 412 podcast. It is my prayer that you catch us same time next time on the Youth 412 podcast. Uh, my name is Ndowo Shemsane. See you next time. And remember, young people, to be an example to other young believers in 
Word, spirit, conversation, love, faith, and purity. And don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. Goodbye, good night, and God bless. What an episode. This was literally one of the best interviews I've ever had. And I'm probably being biased because Mfundis is one of my favorite pastors. But anyways, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And I hope that you'll subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. And tell us what you thought of the episode on our social media pages at Youth412 on Facebook and at Youth412 underscore ZA on our Instagram page. Till next time, God bless. (laughs) 